Hey, hey, hey! Welcome in to another edition of B Shape Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer, and we are rocking and rolling on a Tuesday in West Palm Beach, Florida, for the final time coming to you live from the Sunshine State. Although tomorrow is Wednesday, and my flight doesn't leave until the early afternoon, so it is possible that I will find a way to record a Wednesday episode. But if I do not, uh, I'll, maybe I'll get one get one done like late Wednesday after I get back into St. Louis. We'll have to wait and see what happens with that, but I, I don't want to skip a day as far as the podcast is concerned. So stay tuned. Keep your subscriptions locked in on, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to B-Shape Daily. Keep it locked and loaded. We're going to try to figure this out for Wednesday's episode. For today's episode, I'm excited to talk some more Dylan Carlson, of course. Had an impressive opposite field double that he hit on Tuesday. Batting from the left side, facing a right-handed pitcher. Switch hitter Dylan Carlson was batting lefty. Hit a ball, it carried out to deep left field, went for a double. And you saw Carlson racing around second base. Had to put on the brakes pretty quickly to get back to the bag. Uh, But he's just showing his speed. He's showing his athleticism, his power to put a swing on the ball like he did to the opposite field. It's just really impressive all the way around what you're seeing from Dylan Carlson and right now. So I get questions all the time every day basically about Carlson. And today was no exception of just people wondering. And I think that the questions are fair. And the more we see throughout the rest of the spring, players in more established positions that might continue to struggle. The more we see that, the more fans are going to wonder, okay, can the Cardinals maybe pull the plug on XYZ and potentially go with the new fresh blood like a Dylan Carlson? Right now, XYZ in the minds of Cardinals Nation is looking like Dexter Fowler, who had another 0-3 day at the plate on Tuesday. His batting average for the spring drops to 056 one for 18, I believe, is the stat, and his OPS at 161. So it's been a struggle so far for Dexter Fowler, to be sure. But as I mentioned in detail on yesterday's show, I just don't see a scenario where the Cardinals are going to forego Fowler as the starting right fielder when the regular season opens up in Cincinnati on March 26th. But the more we see from some of these younger guys, Carlson included, he had another very good day on Tuesday. He went one for three, had the double that I talked about, and scored two runs. If you were following the Cardinals game on Tuesday along with me on Twitter, you will have seen my tweet to say that, hey, Justin Verlander versus Dylan Carlson, that at bat resulted in a Cardinals run. Not exactly a traditional way to do so, but Carlson hit a ground ball. Force out was made at second base, and then I don't know what in the world Carlos Correa was thinking, but he threw the ball to third to try to get a base runner that was, honestly, from my vantage point, already standing on the bag when Correa let go of the ball. He sailed it, I think, either into the dugout or into the netting or wherever it went that it went out of play. And so that allowed Carlson to not only reach base, but to advance to second. And then the runner that was there heading to third ended up scoring. Carlson scored on a base hit on the next play. And so that's how Carlson ended up scoring two runs on Tuesday while only having one hit. But his batting average for the season 
the spring season, I should say, be pretty concerned because right now Carlson, after a one for three day, is only hitting 400 for the Grapefruit League slate. And so you got to be concerned about that. Not sure where his head's at right now. Uh, the OPS is at, you know, 1170. It's just not going to cut it. And so I'm not sure what the Cardinals are going to do with him. Probably send him to minor league camp here within the next couple of days uh, so he can get his stuff figured out. But uh, Goldsmith, Paul Goldsmith had a good day today. I believe he had his first hit of the spring that was not a home run. Had a home run, but then had a single that was just a good swing that he, it was obvious he was trying to do not too much, but just do enough to, to get it done. And so that was impressive uh, from Goldsmith. And good to see his batting average for the spring now, like 250. He hasn't had that many plate appearances, so it's not anything to really be concerned over. When when you're really hitting 250 and your OPS is 1190, that's probably a sign that either you're having a really power-oriented season or that you're not very deep into the season just yet. And so I think Goldsmith's going to be Goldsmith as, as he was last year. You know, you hope the numbers will be a little better than they were a year ago, but if they're not, you probably take that. His, his OPS was still like 820, so you take that. Uh, Paul DeYoung, though, could, you know, people have talked about who's going to back clean up for the Cardinals and Talked about how do you replace Marcelo Zuna? I, Marcelo Zuna, first first of all, was not you know some incredible performer last year for the Cardinals. He had good numbers, he had solid numbers, but you look beyond the home run totals, and you know the OPS was okay, OPS plus was okay. It wasn't, it didn't blow you away though. Paul DeYoung, what he has a chance to do, what he looks like right now in spring, is a guy that's going to be an All Star. Add in his his gold glove caliber defense. He was a finalist a year ago. Paul DeYoung, I mean, I don't know what the odds on an MVP for Paul DeYoung would be if you were to, to get that in Vegas right now, but I cannot imagine it would reflect what I believe his actual chances are, which are still low relative to, I mean, Cody Bellinger is going to hit 50 home runs or whatever he's going to do, and so you're going to have a tough time competing with those guys. But from a perspective of Paul DeYoung looking locked in right now at the plate, and me having an awareness of what his defense brings, Paul DeYoung could have a monster season this year if he continues on the path that he's on right now. He was two for three today, had another run scored. He's hitting 571 for the spring with an OPS of 1850. So I don't know if that means anything to you. But, yeah, he's he's looking as good as I've ever seen him look. And, again, the competition he's playing, probably not you know major league caliber necessarily every at-bat that he takes, but he's still facing good quality pitchers you know, oftentimes throughout the spring. And it's just the mentality and the approach that he's taking at the plate. I've been more impressed with DeYoung so far this spring than I've been with him at any other point in his career. And he's had some times where he's carried the Cardinals and has looked locked into the plate. He's got a different mentality, though, the way I see it right now. So I am really looking for I, I'm really looking for a good season out of Paul DeYoung right now. And if he has the kind of season I think he can have based on what I'm seeing so far in spring – you can you can stop worrying about that that cleanup hitter position because it'll be Paul DeYoung and there won't be an issue for the St. Louis Cardinals. I, I'm starting to believe that the more I see out of him this spring. But I told you first there would be some Carlson-related chatter today on the podcast, and one of the questions that I got was related to what number Carlson could wear ultimately because people, and I understand it, people are wanting to figure out if, you know, their, for their Dylan Carlson jersey, what number should they get and, and should they wait until maybe he settles into a more permanent number. Say the Cardinals call him up, you know, at the beginning of this season, he's wearing number 68 like he is in spring so far. You know, is that going to be his permanent number? Probably not. 
you know, eventually he could he could have a different one. I've got my eye on 28 as a possibility for Dylan Carlson, potentially. But I don't know that it'll happen in 2020. Like, if he gets called up from the start of the year, are they going to suddenly switch his number to from what he's wearing in spring camp? Maybe not. You know, we've seen guys change numbers, especially after they get a little bit more established and settle into their careers a little more. Even Paul DeYoung has gone a little bit back and forth. That was related to the Jose Okendo appearance and then disappearance from the Cardinals Major League coaching staff. He's still part of the organization in a big one, as I'll mention as we talk about the play that Colton Wong made on Tuesday in conjunction with Paul DeYoung, of course. But uh, DeYoung back to wearing number 11 this season. Okendo had had it. DeYoung waited another year after Okendo left officially the bench staff to kind of put that back into play, and now he's going to be wearing number 11 this year, Will Paul DeYoung. And people are talking about Dylan Carlson. What will he wear? I think 28 could be a potential down the road. Somebody asked, this was Matinals from Twitter. He asked, you know, what about wearing number 8, which was his number at one point in time in Springfield. Uh, but Mike Schultz, of course, currently wearing number 8, and I don't know that Mike Schultz you know, I, Dylan Carlson, I'm sure Mike Schultz is a big fan of his, but I don't know that he's necessarily given up his number for uh, the rookie. So if you're looking to get in Dylan Carlson uh, jersey down the line and you're concerned about what number you're going to see him in, I would wait at least another year to see if he makes a change. But you're going to see Dylan Carlson before too long, sometimes before summer, I think, you're going to see Dylan Carlson in St. Louis. And I guess technically that's like June – 21st is that like the the summer solstice i'm not very good at all this moon related business but i think that's right and so you're going to see carlson soon what number you're going to see him in i don't know but there was also a conversation again this was uh you know his name is not matinals anymore on twitter but whatever it is i think he's a jack flaherty based account now but the question was okay we're seeing a lot of dylan carlson so far in spring training like he's playing almost every game he had an off day one off day over the weekend I believe it was but then he was right back at it the last couple of days whether he's starting or he's coming off the bench he's getting multiple at-bats per game got the start today in left field for the Cardinals and so you know why are, why are the Cardinals playing him so much what's kind of the the uh the thought process behind that and really it comes down to they want to get a good look at him same reason that the fans do the Cardinals feel the same way to say, we want to know what Dylan Carlson can bring to the table, and we're going to give him every opportunity this spring to kind of force our hand and show us what he can bring, and potentially he ends up bringing that as early as March 26th, right? If he forces the issue the way he has over the first couple few weeks of spring training, I think it's going to be incumbent upon the Cardinals to put him on that roster, put him in that lineup, and see what he can do. So he's forcing the issue, and they're giving him the chance to do so. Other guys that you've seen pretty often throughout the spring. I wanted to bring these names up because they're names that maybe Cardinals fans don't think about as often, but with regard to the 2020 season, I think they're going to make an impact at some time or another, especially in the case of this first guy, Edmundo Sosa, which the more we see different utility infielders from the bench matrix get hurt, come up, with injuries throughout the spring camp, the more I think Edmundo Sosa might actually make this team. And, and I mean, there's a world in which he makes the team, and so does Dylan Carlson, depending on who's healthy and who's not when, you know, the, the opening day time arrives. Right now, Brad Miller, a little bit on the mend. I saw him throwing today, warming up. I don't know if you call it long toss, but at least intermediate toss, where he's stretching out the arm and, and, and getting the, a good throw in. 
this afternoon before the Cardinals played their game. I guess technically that would have been this morning around 11 a.m. So Brad Miller's out on the field, but he was out with back stiffness and has still not made it back into lineup since he was scratched at that game that I want to say was West Palm Beach a couple of days ago when the Cardinals played at Houston at the ballpark of the Palm Beaches. Brad Miller was supposed to have been in the lineup, and then he was scratched with back stiffness, similar to what Matt Carpenter had, uh, but Carpenter has since rejoined the lineup. He didn't play today. He didn't play on Tuesday, but Carpenter, by all indications, is okay health-wise right now. Miller, I think they're taking a little bit more time with, but Mike Schultz said Tuesday morning he doesn't anticipate that it would impact his regular season and his preparedness for that, and so we'll have to wait and see when they get Brad Miller back into action, but if that's even in question at all, Edmundo Sosa could be a guy that that suddenly slides into the roster conversation. He's played really well. He's had had a, a pretty solid spring at the plate, but even more than that, defensively, he showed I think that he can handle himself at shortstop and second base in a in a utility infield role for the Cardinals. You know, def- from a defensive standpoint, and so he's definitely in play for an opportunity uh, if Miller has a setback. Uh, Yaro Munoz, Jaro Munoz does not seem like he's going to be part of the, the opening day roster situation. That hamstring, uh, Mike Schultz said he's getting an MRI tomorrow, which is Wednesday. I don't expect the Cardinals are going to hear good news from that just based on the way they've talked about it so far. So you'd have to imagine at least it'll be, you know, a little bit of time post opening day before Jairo Munoz returns to the conversation. So that's another potential roster spot. Cardinals could decide to go in the extra outfielder. You know, they have Tommy Edmond. He could handle every position on the infield. That would that would just be fine for them. You put Ravello into the situation and then just load it up with, you know, one backup catcher and a bunch of outfielders on your bench. That could end up being the way the Cardinals go just because of the flexibility that Edmond brings. But I also think it comes down to Edmonds going to be in that starting lineup a lot and so the Cardinals are going to want another guy on that bench that can play multiple positions and so that could open a door for Sosa it could also open a door for Max Trock who had a nice hit on Tuesday he started the game at third base and is a guy the Cardinals have liked he came over in that Stephen Piscotty trade the same one that brought in Jairo Munoz but Strock you know, at the time was probably a guy the Cardinals maybe liked as much or if not more than what they thought of Jairo Munoz and has had some some issues, a couple injuries, and he's just not been able to to catch on at the right time to to catch attention for the big league roster for the Cardinals. Had a little bit of a tough season last year, but I think looks like he's back in condition to be able to contribute, and the Cardinals may give him a chance to do so as well this season. So you've got a lot of options as far as that's concerned. But within the context of Sosa, I think it's important to recognize that the guys that are getting all this playing time guys that you don't necessarily consider locks for the roster, or even if everybody's at full strength, they're probably not getting a window of opportunity to even find a way to wedge themselves into the roster conversation. Like, they just wouldn't be considered, not for a lack of their skill, but like, you guys, you Cardinal fans are smart. They understand, I think, for the most part, the way it works longevity in this game matters. Veterans are going to get the first crack at things. Guys who have been there before have the first opportunity to be there again, and then when things happen, you can shift. But in spring training, you know, guys that that have been on the radar, but not to the extent that they're, you know, more than getting a cup of coffee. Like, Edmundo Sosa got a cup of coffee last season with the Cardinals, but how do those situations arise? It's from injuries and, you know, guys being in the right place, the right health at the right time, and Sosa got a little bit of run with the team last season. You know, Tyler O'Neill has has not had the best luck with regard to when the openings have been there. He's at times been hurt himself. 
he's not caught on to the everyday lineup. Somebody else supersedes him in that moment. So, like, it's just a matter of timing for a lot of guys. Think about this last year. Tommy Edmond was a guy that I don't think many Cardinal fans, unless you really follow the minors, you were very aware of him coming into spring training. But guess what? He played a lot. And the Cardinals were like, hold on a minute. This dude can play. And he might have been on the radar before, just the way Edmundo Sosa probably was too. But he got himself onto the radar in a different way last spring. And even though Tommy Edmond did not get a spot on the roster when the season began, which a lot of people thought he should have, even though that didn't happen, when he did get his call up, I believe in, in early June there or about, he didn't go away after that. He was a, a fixture in the Cardinals lineup for the the bulk of that season, and he forced his way into the the equation. Like that's just the way he he did it. He he got an opportunity, he didn't let go of it. And so I think when you look at guys that you're looking at this season, like why are they playing so much? We're seeing a lot of Austin Dean as well. Like, why are we seeing so much Austin Dean? I thought that was an acquisition that was just kind of a footnote. Like, yeah, maybe, but if Austin Dean takes advantage of this role, you know, the Cardinals don't know him yet. He, he's been a Marlin. He's he's had some success at the minor league level, but they're interested to see what they have in this guy. And so spring training is a great opportunity for him, for Sosa, as it was for Tommy Edmond a year ago, to, to get into games and show what they can do. And maybe a guy that, you know, might have been considered an afterthought at one point in time. I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but it's just the reality of the roster. You've only got so many guys you can take north with you. Guy that might not have been in the in the you know crosshairs of a roster spot at the beginning of a camp certainly can put himself on that in that situation by the end of a camp. And I think that's something that Amudo Sosa, even though the Cardinals would have said all the right things and said, "Oh yeah, he's competing, he's going to have a chance." I think realistically, without some of these injuries, it just wouldn't have happened. Now that it it's happened and he's gotten more of a look than you know maybe some fans might have expected, he's getting every opportunity to put himself onto the radar and potentially contribute to this team sooner rather than later when we get into the summer. So he's a guy to look at. Carlson, obviously, on a little bit of a different level because he's a top prospect who's you know, been on the radar for a lot of fans for a while, and it's just a matter of, okay, can the Cardinals find him playing time if they can? No questions asked. He's going to be on the roster and in the lineup. If not, he's probably going to spend a little bit of time in Memphis, and and his time will come sooner rather than later because these situations always arise throughout a season when you end up needing somebody. And Carlson's going to be that somebody, whether it's in April, you know, whether it's in March, I guess technically when the season begins, whether it's in April, whether it's in May, I don't think it's going to be a J month. I think it's going to be one of those first three. It's going to start with an M or an A this month that we see. Dylan Carlson, March, April, May, one of those, uh, because he's just put himself in such a position like Albert Pujols back in 2001 or whatever it was. You just can't ignore him, and, and he's really performing at a high level in spring. He's he's showing every bit of evidence of you know, a big league mentality, a big league approach, and the way he carries himself. His teammates are impressed with him as well. And Paul DeYoung, in talking about Carlson, said, hey, me and Harrison Bader, it was spring of 2017, that was us. You know, we were trying to put ourselves in position. I don't know if they were ever as as highly touted of a prospect as Dylan Carlson is right now with the attention that he's getting from a lot of places, but they were guys the Cardinals liked internally, Bader and DeYoung both. Like, if you think back, was Paul DeYoung somebody that nationally was getting the kind of acclaim before his major league career actually started that some of these other guys across the league get I don't think Paul DeYoung was getting that but guess what he put himself on the radar the Cardinals liked him and that's all that mattered and they said look the league will figure it out eventually 
and they have. Paul DeYoung is now a fixture. Harrison Bader, to an extent, is a fixture, and he's trying to really solidify that this season. So it happened for them in 2017. Right now is the spring of, of Dylan Carlson. It's the spring of Edmundo Sosa. On the pitching side, in my opinion, it's the spring of Daniel Ponce de Leon and Austin Gomber. I can't speak the praises of those guys enough so far based on what we've seen. Again, they're they're going to have additional outings coming up, and if, if they don't go as well, then they don't go as well. And, you know, me touting what they've done so far won't mean as much because I'll be able to tell you, okay, well, here's what they did in this outing, and it wasn't quite on that level. So right now, though, I have high expectations for both Ponce and Gomber to be able to contribute this season. And I think it's it's evidence that the Cardinals' depth they talk about is more than just warm bodies. It's more than guys wearing uniforms. It's quality depth, as Mike Schultz has said time and time again. And so far this spring, it's proven it, proven itself. Like I know fans were a little bit underwhelmed by what the Cardinals did this offseason. And I came into, you know, before spring camp, I was talking about, look, I think this team's in a good position, but we'll see what happens when we get down there. Well, on the eve of me leaving spring camp, after three weeks being down here watching this team, what we've seen, I think, is pretty impressive. I, I don't know if I'll say it's in line with what I thought because, honestly, Gomber and Ponce de Leon in particular have exceeded my expectations. A guy like Cody Whitley, who I didn't know a whole lot about, I knew his numbers from last year at Memphis. You know, he had a 1.60 ERA across all the levels of the minors in which he participated last year. Relief pitcher that has some nasty stuff, and he's made he's he's made himself somebody in that Cardinals bullpen mix that demands attention, and to me should be getting a lot of consideration for the opening day roster. And it's good news for the Cardinals that I'm saying this about a lot of players. Like I'm saying this about more than 26 guys in a lot of cases because there's a lot of young talent down here, and it's I've been impressed by the way that it's displayed itself. And look, in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. We could be looking at the Cardinals, and, and maybe things aren't going the way you planned or the way you thought they could. And I'll say, yeah, you know, they here's what has happened since spring training. But right now, it's spring training. These these games don't count, but things are looking pretty good for the Cardinals, especially with a lot of the young talent they have. Junior Fernandez, another name that, you know, I, I knew a little bit about him last year, and we saw in St. Louis a little bit of a glimpse of what he could do. But he he's come down here looking like a pitcher that's that's ready and determined to just – continue progressing his career and getting opportunities so he's he's far from alone the Cardinals have a lot of a lot of good young players that are trying to you know do whatever they can to get opportunities right now Henesis Cabrera we talked about him he had the cracked fingernail situation if not for that he might have thrown three quality innings yesterday and we could be talking about him in the same glowing terms so impressive what the Cardinals young guns have done so far I want to mention one of them, Alex Reyes, and then I'll wrap the show, I think, by talking about the Colton Wong play from Tuesday because it was flat-out ridiculous and, unfortunately, didn't get a chance to talk to him about it yet, but hopefully that'll be something I can add in for a little flavor to uh, tomorrow's show. But do Alex Reyes first because he had another outing on Tuesday, and he looked good. He, he gave up a run once again, did it his previous outing, did it today. A couple of, you know, he had one hard-hit ball, Said he left a change up up in the zone, didn't want to do that, but had a couple of hits to left field that he gave up. One was an infield hit, uh, one of his three that he surrendered on Tuesday. So I don't really care about that. The other two, pretty well struck balls to left field, but it wasn't like home run distance or anything like that. I believe it was a double and a single, if I recall correctly. So 
He had to work around some damage. He did did give up one walk, but he had four strikeouts. He struck out the side in his first inning, which I think is accurate. Even though he didn't strike out all three batters he faced, every out that he recorded was via strikeout. So if I'm using that terminology wrong, I apologize. But had those strikeouts and then had one in the second inning of work. So he ended the day with four strikeouts, gave up three hits and a run, gave up a walk, but the stuff was there. And the command is coming along you know, slowly but surely, in most cases, the execution was there on Tuesday. I think if he executed at a, just a little bit higher percentage, he would be absolutely wipeout nasty. And we've seen him be that before, I think, to some extent. But also, Alex Reyes has talked about command has always been his issue, if anything. And so, if he's just able to get a little bit more consistent and solidify the command with his pitches on a regular basis, he's going to be something special. I know he's dealt with the injuries, but right now, you know... Again, spring is a time of optimism, and so very rarely are you going to hear me come on here and, and rip guys to shreds. It's just not its just not the way I, I, I think it's fair to be in spring training as guys are working through things. And, and Dexter Fowler is one guy that fans would probably like to hear me be a little bit harsher against. But again, I, I see Dex and the work he's putting in. I'd like to think that he's going to turn it around. Right now, though, there's a conversation to be had in a few weeks if it remains the same about potentially who that starting right fielder should be. It will be Fowler on day one, as I've reiterated. But you can go two weeks, three weeks, four weeks into the season, and if it's just not happening for Fowler, there absolutely will be a time for the conversation. For the St. Louis Cardinals and the way they view things, it's not yet. Whether that's my opinion or your opinion, you know, it doesn't matter if we share that view. I'm just reiterating for you that the team does, that, you know, Dex is going to have that opportunity, I think, until further notice, especially when you talk about Grapefruit League play. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, you know, I can be honest and say it hasn't looked good so far for him, and so the Cardinals are certainly hoping to see a turnaround. But with regard to everybody else, you know, with regard to a lot of players that, in my opinion, are looking good, you're going to probably hear me do a little bit of raving, especially when I'm seeing this up close and personal so far in spring camp. And, you know, one of those guys that, that really has looked good at least over the course of his last couple of outings, is Alex Reyes. Yeah, he's given up some runs. Yeah, he's still walked, guys. But I think that the basis and the genesis, not genesis, but the genesis for belief in Alex Reyes' ability to contribute in 2020, I think is being born from the work that he's doing in these outings. And, you know, ideally he'll have one where he's absolutely wipeout for every battery faces and there is no hiccup here or there. Uh, but for right now, I think it's it's night and day compared to where he was in that first outing when he only got one out and he gave up several runs and a lot of base runners and had to be pulled from an outing in which you thought he was going to go two innings. He couldn't even get out of the first. So right now, really good quality things, encouraging signs from Alex Reyes. And I think that's a positive for the Cardinals. Going to wrap the podcast, though, today talking about this play by Colton Wong. If you didn't see it, Hit up my Twitter, at bshafer12. I put up a GIF of it. Fox Sports Midwest was all over it with videos, as was the Cardinals' Twitter account, at Cardinals. you got to see this play. And at first, when I saw it live, I thought for a split second of a moment, Colton Wong was actually kind of angling himself more toward getting to the second base bag as though he were about to field a flip from DeYoung and then throwing it over to first. Watching it, several times upon replay. I don't think that was the case because Wong is smart enough to know that DeYoung was too deep in the hole to be able to field that ball. And so it's just, you know, the the way he scrambled and took quick steps to to make the dive and the make the catch in the first place, Wong moving to his right on this ground ball up the middle by Alex Bregman was a very athletic play to get to the ball. I asked Mike Schilt about it. He was a little bit dismissive, honestly, of my question, which is fair, 
because the question I asked was, did you really think Wong would even have a chance to get to that ball? And he said, of course. I know I, I always think Wong is going to get to the ball. It was a question of what he was going to do with it after that that you know surprised me a little bit. He said, I don't want to say surprise, but what he did after was special. And what he did after was basically with his back to second base, kind of turned his head toward his left shoulder and flipped the ball using only his glove. It never touched his throw hand. Flipped it right on a dime to Paul DeYoung, who was streaking toward the bag at second. They got the runner, Michael Brantley, in plenty of time. The play that was more difficult for Paul DeYoung was getting the throw to first to get Alex Bregman, which he did by a half step or so. Just an unbelievable athletic play by both of the Cardinals' middle infielders. I think it's the best play I've ever seen live by by infielders. And Wong has made some dandies that I've seen in person. But this, I, I mean, my jaw hit the floor when this play happened. And it's just more of the same from Colton Wong. Didn't get a chance to talk to him about it on Tuesday because he left the facility before Cardinals opened up the media patio for, for the media to go over there and talk to players, which understand that's not a knock on Wong in any way. Like that, that's just the nature of the way it happens in spring training. When guys leave, they go shower up. And if they go, they go. And, and you know, that's just the way it happened. I'm going to try to get there early tomorrow to hopefully be able to catch him before the team goes to Port St. Lucie uh, for their game. Don't even know if Wong is traveling tomorrow, but hopefully he'll be there. I would love to just ask him about that play. You know, because it was something special. It was really a sight to behold uh, what he was able to do. Just, yeah, yeah, getting to the ball, I was impressed by that. But, I mean, you look at the screenshot of him full extension, the the dive had happened, and then he somehow got to get the ball to second base. Yeah, in time to get Brantley, who's bearing down. But they've got a little bit of time for that. But Bregman has been hauling A all the way to first, and it's you're going to have to hurry for – giving your teammate a chance to get him. Wong did it all, did it to perfection. It was literally like a magic trick, and I can't rave about it enough, but it was pretty special to see. And, you know, it's early, but I, I Wong's my pick for gold glove in the National League as far as second base is concerned. And Paul DeYoung, I think, especially if he gets more of a, of a you know, reputation and having a good season offensively, because it shouldn't be this way, but I think oftentimes we do find with Gold Glove voting, if you're if, if there's a tiebreaker to be had, it's oftentimes what you do at the plate in that season. And if Paul DeYoung takes another step forward offensively and continues the defense that he provided across Wong, you might have a double play duo that both wins Gold Gloves in 2020. It wouldn't be beyond you know any stretch of the imagination to see that happen. And I think both guys, you know, based on what they've done. Last season, based on what the work they put in so far this spring, would be deserving of it. And mentioning that work in the spring, you know, Mike Schultz talked about this today when I asked him about it. But these are guys, Paul DeYoung, Colton Wong, they've been putting in the work far before anybody actually sees it on game day. And I, I wrote a story earlier in the spring about the entire infield because I saw one morning before camp, you know, before practices had even begun for that day, I saw DeYoung, I saw Colton. I saw Tommy Edmond and Paul Goldschmidt out there working with Jose Oquendo on one of the backfields, getting in extra work, grounders, you know, drills on the infield. And that's apparently something Mike Schultz said today that, and he didn't, you know, I didn't ask him about anybody else, but talking specifically about Colton and Paul DeYoung, that's something that they had been doing as far back as a month before spring camp actually started. And so they've been putting in the work, it's why their chemistry is among the best in the business. 
guys know what they're doing. And, you know, it, it's, it's, I think as a Cardinals fan, to hear that and to see the work that they put in and to see the success that they have defensively, like Paul Goldschmidt tied it all together last year for the Cardinals infield defensively. They had a really rock solid group. And I think if the Cardinals are going to be successful this season, it's got to be the same way because their pitchers are going to be reliant upon that. You know, Dakota Hudson is a guy that he needs the defense behind him to be able to be successful. He led the league in walks last year, but he still won 16 games. He still had an ERA of like 3.35 with all those base runners that he had to deal with, despite a FIP up close near five, if I'm not mistaken, for his fielding independent pitching. is the kind of pitcher that he is to, to induce ground balls, and if you've got guys on base, oftentimes you can turn you know one out into two the way the Cardinals did a couple of times today. Alex Bregman had two of those ground outs into double play, by the way. He had the one that Wong had a fantastic play on, but then there was one to DeYoung that they turned, I believe, was a 6-4-3. So, you know, with, with Dakota Hudson on the mound, that's the kind of thing you're looking for. Is it sustainable? That's what a lot of Cardinals fans wonder about uh, Dakota Hudson from last season. Like, with all these base runners that he's allowing, is he going to be able to have the same level of success? Part of me thinks yes, because if there's any pitcher in baseball that can have a an ERA and a, and a runs allowed that far exceeds his, you know, what a fielding independent rating would say. It's probably Dakota Hudson because, A, he's got maybe the best defensive infield in the sport behind him, and, B, he's the kind of pitcher who that's what he does. He pitches to contact, ground ball contact in particular. He's probably going to give up one home run, a solo shot per game because it's it's what he did today. Gave up one run. I believe it was on that solo home run. Four innings, 46 pitches is all he needed. That's efficiency. And so for Cardinals fans who are looking to, to put Dakota Hudson back into the bullpen at the expense of you know one of these other guys, I don't think so. I don't think Dakota Hudson's going anywhere as of right now. And I get it. Gomber, to me, probably is one of their best five pitchers, one of their best five starters. Don't ask me who he's better than because I don't have a good a good answer for you. But he's looking pretty sharp. So I'm I'm just as willing as anybody to, to try to squeeze – you know, Gomber, Ponce de Leon, one of these dudes into the top five. But I don't think you're replacing Dakota Hudson. He was nails today. Uh, he's been really good so far this spring, and he was really good last year. You know, at some point, how many games do you win? I know fans of sabermetrics and, th- and, and things like that don't like to hear it. But if you won 16 games and you had an ERA of 3.35, you're probably doing something right. And if you can do it again, you know, maybe people will say, well, I guess he's sustainable at that level more so than we – than the metrics would indicate because gosh, the Cardinals like, and they must like something about him. And I think I, it probably sounds like I'm an old, you know, old school baseball guy deriding saber metrics, deriding analytics. It's not what I intend to do, but I do think the people that only look at that are missing part of the element of the game that, you know, maybe, you know, we don't have to, as fans and media, care about it all the time. I think we I think we should have a balanced view of, of baseball. But I think, to some extent, you're missing what the actual players and managers and coaches involved that do it every day for a living actually care about and value. And so there's there's always got to be a balance there. That's that's kind of why I, I take a little bit of, of the new school, a little bit of the old school, and that's kind of how I form my opinions. That's not saying pitcher wins is the end-all, be-all, but... I think from a, a team standpoint, far be it from a guy like Mike Schilt to dismiss pitcher wins because guess what? It means his ball club won games, and at the end of the day, that's that's what matters to the people in the business. So I think it's a really fun discussion, and I appreciate those who do it with an open mind. 
and and don't just you know have have their mind closed because the numbers say this or that. The numbers are very 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 valuable. They're very important. But you know, baseball is a beautiful game, and sometimes there's a little bit more to it than that. And sometimes you can just say, yeah, is it sustainable to the level Hudson did it last year? Maybe not. But also, he's a 25 year old guy who could still improve, right? He could he could alleviate some of those concerns by walking fewer guys by making fewer mistakes like these are elements that are he's totally capable of making like look at Jack Flaherty the year before last his numbers weren't jump off the page spectacular now is his ceiling higher than Hudson's probably so and and we always kind of thought I wouldn't say always but for the last several years we probably as a consensus thought that to be the case and then Flaherty showed you know the ceiling of his capabilities over the second half of last season but I don't think we should write Dakota Hudson off either because it's a he's a really talented dude that's still learning and still improving. And as Mike Schultz said, like he got better as the year went along last year, and they feel a lot of confidence in him right now. So it's another guy that, you know, a, a young player that fans are kind of, you know, some fans probably dig him. Others, I get the sense, at least from social media, that some are just like, yeah, Dakota Hudson, we'll see if he, he can keep that up what he did last year. The Cardinals think he can. And uh, today it looked like he could. So, you know, exciting stuff, too, from one of the Cardinals' young, talented pitchers. I'm going to wrap the podcast up for today. I have droned on for 36 minutes already. One of the longer podcasts that we'll have. I appreciate you guys for listening to B-Shape Daily whenever you find a chance to do so. If you if you listen the day of, great. If you listen the next day or two after, great. I just appreciate you for being along for the ride. Always send me a DM on Twitter if you have any suggestions about the show. It's at B-Shaper12 over there. Anything you want to say that you like, didn't like, want to hear about, I'm all about uh, hearing from people. So I would really, really appreciate that. Otherwise, just make sure you're subscribed. It's Apple Podcasts. It's Spotify. It's uh, Google Podcasts. Breaker. Overcast. There's a few other ones that I don't remember the names of. But if you use any of them, you can find the show there. It's Be Safe Daily. I'm going to let this be where I roll out from you guys tonight. But... Tomorrow, Wednesday, I'm going to have a show for you. It's my absolute goal to do so. If it posts a little bit late, a little bit early, bear with me. But otherwise, I'm going to say this with some authority. I will talk to you guys tomorrow.